Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Global Storytime Podcast, where every two weeks I bring you a folktale from a different country or culture. And every two weeks I also release an episode that helps us learn more about the country or culture from where that story comes from. I'm your host, Diane Strand. This week, we're going to Tanzania. Okay, let's start and find Tanzania on a map. Tanzania is a country in East Africa. It is home to some pretty spectacular geological features and wildlife. It has the tallest mountain in Africa, Mount Kilimanjaro, the largest lake in the world, Lake Victoria, the second largest and second deepest lake in the world, Lake Tanganyika. It has the largest volcanic crater in the world called Ingorongo Crater. This is where an ancient volcano collapsed into itself thousands of years ago. Tanzania shares borders with eight countries and one ocean. So moving clockwise, it is bordered on the north by Uganda and Kenya, to the east by the Indian Ocean, to the south by Mozambique, to the southwest by Malawi and Zambia, and to the west by the Democratic Republic of Congo, Burundi, and Rwanda. The capital is Dodoma, in the central part of the country. Its largest city is Dar es Salaam, which is a port city on the Indian Ocean coast. And a little side note because I was curious, Dar es Salaam means place of peace in Arabic, and it is the largest city in East Africa and the fifth largest city in all of Africa. The size of Tanzania is 365,000 miles squared, which is a little smaller than the states of Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, and South Dakota put together. The population of Tanzania is 58 million, which is double the population of the state of Texas. Now let's dive into the history of Tanzania. Northern Tanzania has been called the cradle of humanity because of so many archaeological discoveries that have been made there. Stone tools and skeletons of early hominids have been found and are believed to be 1.3 million years old. There is evidence of pottery and agricultural practices dating back to 3000 BCE. Jumping forward in our historical timeline, archaeologists have also found Greco-Roman coins, glass beads from Syria, and Persian pottery and beads believed to be remains from trading that took place in 600 BCE. Around 100 CE, a migration of Bantu people who shared common languages and customs came to Tanzania from West Africa and started to build large settlements. One of these groups was known as the Haya and they learned how to create carbon steel before anyone else on earth. Over the next thousand years, Settlements turned into large towns and international trade with the Middle East and the Roman Empire flourished. During this time, Islamic followers of the Prophet Muhammad made their way to Ethiopia in the first Islamic migration and then continued on to the rest of Africa, bringing the religion and culture to the Swahili coast, which is present-day coastal Tanzania and Kenya. In the 1300s to 1400s are known as the Golden Age of Swahili, as large cities and kingdoms formed. One of these cities is called Kilwa Kisiwani, and according to the Moroccan explorer Ibn Battuta, who traveled more widely than Marco Polo, by the way, called Kilwa Kisiwani one of the greatest cities in the world, and now it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. 
1498, the Portuguese explorer Vasco da Gama was the first European to set foot on the Swahili coast, and soon after, the Portuguese took hold of and occupied Zanzibar. Now, I haven't mentioned Zanzibar yet, which is both the name of an archipelago on the coast of Tanzania and is the name of the largest island within it. Zanzibar, which is also known as Nguya in Swahili, has its own history that doesn't date quite as far back as mainland Tanzania and involves more trade with the Middle East and Greco-Roman empires. In fact, the name Zanzibar comes from Arabic meaning the coast of the blacks. The Portuguese ruled over Zanzibar while mainly leaving the rest of Tanzania alone for nearly 200 years until the Sultan of Oman, the country at the southern tip of the Arabian Peninsula, was able to push the Portuguese out with the help of the indigenous people of Zanzibar and the coastal communities from the mainland. The Portuguese had already started to capture locals and send them as slaves to their colonies in the West Indies, but the Omani Sultan took it to the next level and started the East African Arab slave trade, enslaving thousands of Africans and selling them in the Arabian Peninsula. This was so crucial in building Oman's wealth that in 1848, Oman's ruler, Said bin Sultan al-Busadi, moved the capital of his empire from Muscat, Oman, to Zanzibar. And even though Great Britain convinced the Sultan to sign a treaty in 1820 to start abolishing the slave trade, it continued for another 70 years. It finally ended with the shortest war in history, lasting about 40 minutes, broke out between Oman and Great Britain on Zanzibar Island, and Oman quickly surrendered to defeat. While all this was happening, German explorers and missionaries were making their way through mainland Tanzania and started to form colonies, calling them German East Africa. This was met with the expected resistance from the tribes living there, as the Germans tried to erase any non-Christian religious practice and force the villagers to grow cotton for export. This resistance accumulated into the Muji Muji Rebellion, where numerous tribes such as the Hehe, the Yoa, and the Ngoni, backed in part by the Arab Muslim immigrants, engaged in guerrilla warfare against the Germans, but were no match for German artillery. And in the end, 200 to 300,000 Africans died. Just a few years later, World War I started, and the British, who, remember, had control over Zanzibar and India at the time, sent over troops of Indian soldiers to fight the Germans in Tanzania. This is such a crazy and sad mishmash of international colonization and destruction. It really feels like the leaders of the European countries were playing a real-life version of the board game Risk. After the Germans' defeat in World War I, Great Britain took control over German East Africa and changed its name to Tanganyika. After World War II, Britain started to allow the colony more room to govern itself and local political parties started to form, like the Tanganyika African National Union. The Tanganyika African National Union was led by Julius Nair, who pushed for Tanganyika's complete independence from Great Britain. In 1961, Tanganyika became an independent country led by its new president, Julius Nair. In 1964, Zanzibar was released from British rule and became a part of Tanganyika. This new union needed a new name, one that combined a bit of Tanganyika and a bit of Zanzibar, and the expanded country became known as Tanzania. Zanzibar is now a semi-autonomous part of Tanzania, 
and even has its own president. I love learning about the history of the countries that I feature and discovering how interconnected the world has been for hundreds of years and all the different iterations that a country or culture has gone through to become as we know them today. The research always feels a little like falling down a dark and twisty tunnel through time and the internet, but I know that I'm better for having this knowledge, and I hope you feel the same way. Moving on to the languages spoken in Tanzania. There are 129 languages spoken in Tanzania, with the native languages stemming from four major African language groups. The Bantu, which originates from West Africa, the Cushitic group originating from Egypt, the Nilo-Sahara, which comes from Central North Africa, and the Khojan language group from Southern Africa, which is known for using clicks like I always thought it was so cool and have wondered why no one else in the world has incorporated that sound into their language. The official languages are Swahili and English, though more people speak Swahili than English. And I'll note that Swahili is also known as Kiswahili within the country. And that 20% of words in Swahili come from Arabic. Other popular languages are Chaga, which is the tribe that supplied this episode's corresponding folktale, Makonde, and Niamweze. Non-native languages spoken include Arabic, which is spoken more in Zanzibar than the mainland, various Indian dialects spoken by Indian merchants, as well as German, Portuguese, and French. Moving on to religions practiced in Tanzania, According to a Pew Research study in 2010, Christianity, mainly Lutherans, and Catholicism are the most popular religions, with 61% of the population practicing them. Islam is the second most popular religion, with 35% of the population, and most Muslim communities live in Zanzibar, on the mainland coast, or in inland cities that were along Arab trade routes. 2% of people follow traditional polytheistic animist beliefs, and there are very, very small numbers of people who practice Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Sikhism, and the Baha'i faith. On to sports in Tanzania. The national sport is football, or soccer as we call it in the States. The name of the national team is Timu Ya Taifa Ya Impira Wa Migu Ya Tanzania in Swahili which is a rather literal team name as it translates to Tanzania National Football Team. But it is also called Taifa Stars for short, with Taifa meaning country in Swahili. The team has been together since Tanzania's independence in 1961, as the sport was introduced during British colonization. But the national team has never been too successful in either the World Cup, which it often doesn't qualify for, or in the African Cup of Nations, which is Africa's continental version of the World Cup, and which the Tanzanian team also rarely qualifies for. But hey, an athlete or team doesn't need to win competitions in order to play a game with joy and passion. Playing for the love of the game is its own reward. Now for the national food. The national food is ugali. Ugali, spelled U-G-A-L-I, is a type of porridge made from corn or cassava flour, similar to polenta or grits. It can be served as a hot cereal, or it can be cooked down to a solid ball of starch that is served with a stew that is often made with kale and some kind of meat. Before the introduction of corn and cassava to Africa, as both of these plants originated in the Americas, 
Ugali was made from sorghum flour. And you can still find some made with sorghum, but the plant doesn't produce as much flour as corn or cassava, so you don't see it as often. Ugali is a staple food in many East and Southern African countries, though it goes by a different name in a different place. In Zambia and Malawi, it's called nchima. In Kenya, it's called abusuma. And in Zimbabwe, it's called sadza. And for our final act, the fun fact, 30% of Tanzania is part of a national park. I had to know what percentage of the U.S. is a national park to help give me a frame of reference and was surprised to learn that it is just a measly 3.4%. Tanzania has 19 national parks. The most well-known is the Serengeti and the largest is the Arusha and both are in the northern part of the country. These parks see the largest migration of animals in the world and are home to lions, leopards, elephants, hippos, rhinoceroses, crocodiles, warthogs, African buffalo, numerous species of deer, flamingos, in addition to 500 other bird species and 2,500 plant species, including 45 types of orchids. And in Gombe Stream National Park specifically, home to chimpanzees, baboons, and a number of species of monkeys, is where Jane Goodall has done a lot of her work. Personal fun fact, I once saw Jane Goodall speak at a theater in Bellingham, Washington, and it was fantastic. She is such an incredible human. And that's it for this episode of Let's Learn About Tanzania. If you haven't listened to episode 17A, The Calabash Kids, go check it out. If you want even more information about Tanzania or any of the other countries or cultures that I highlight, follow the pod on Facebook or Instagram at Global Storytime Podcast. You can always email me at globalstorytimepodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a moment, give the show a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. I know I did. I have been your host, Diane Strand. Until next time, bye. Tagamuku <laughs> pendona,